Welcome back to another episode of the Become a Calm Mama podcast. You are going to love today's episode because I'm talking all about tantrums, meltdowns, and outbursts at every age. So if you have teenagers, you're going to love this. If you have toddlers, you're going to love this. Preschoolers, elementary school, middle school, even adult children, you're going to love this episode. By the end of this episode, you're going to know why these tantrums, meltdowns, and outbursts happen and how to handle them without losing your mind, okay? So the strategies you learn today are going to bring you better connection in your relationship with your kid because you're going to become less reactive. And you're going to learn how to give your kid better tools to manage their emotions. So remember that one of the most important concepts that I teach is this. Ready? Feelings drive behavior. So all behavior is a result of thoughts and feelings, including your children's misbehavior or their temper tantrums or their meltdowns or their outbursts or any of that. That is being driven by your kid's feelings. So whatever your child is doing, they're behaving that way because of how they're feeling about their circumstances. Intense feelings come out through intense behavior. So when we talk about tantrums and meltdowns and outbursts, usually we're talking about pretty intense behavior. And that's why I want you to really understand that this intense behavior that you're seeing is really coming from intense feelings. And when kids don't know what to do with those feelings, those feelings show up in behavior that doesn't work, like hitting and shouting and complaining and whining and name calling and refusal and ignoring. Now, when those feelings are really intense and the behavior is intense, some people call that a temper tantrum or a meltdown or an outburst if they're older. What I call these behaviors is a big feeling cycle. So I actually don't think of things in terms of temper tantrum and meltdown and all of that. I really think of it as a big feeling cycle. When I see those behaviors, I think to myself, oh, that is a big feeling cycle. I'll talk about why I named it that and why I think of it that way. But first, let's talk about what it is. So what is a big feeling cycle? What does it look like? So sometimes it looks like yelling, just like straight up yelling at you. When your child is yelling at you, they're in a big feeling cycle. So they have big feelings for whatever reason, and they don't know what to do with those feelings. Their yelling is a strategy. Even adults have this, even you have this, right? So if you're yelling, you can also remind yourself like, oh, maybe I'm in a big feeling cycle. Big feeling cycles also look like crying. They look like arguing. They look like complaining. A lot of times, especially under six, under eight, you're going to see a big feeling cycle and it's going to come through a lot of the body. So you're going to see throwing and hitting and kicking and spitting and crying and running away and slamming doors, those kinds of big body movement, especially in toddler preschool and early elementary, you're going to have these big feeling cycles that look like a lot of their body is in motion or moving. As kids get a little bit older, they become less physical in their big feeling cycle and they use their words more or they actually kind of check out and emotionally shut down. All of that is a big feeling cycle. So it can look like throwing, hitting, kicking, like I said, or it can look like screaming at you, name calling you, telling you're the worst, going internal and complaining like about themselves, saying like something's wrong with me, I'm not okay, I'm a bad person, or going really extreme, like I wish I was dead, 
or hurting themselves, like biting themselves or doing some sort of self-harm. Or you can also see a big feeling cycle look like shutting down. So we typically think of meltdowns and tantrums as, you know, these big behaviors, these big external behaviors, but we don't really see that sometimes instead of going external, a kid will go internal and they're still in a big feeling cycle, but you just aren't seeing the behavior as much. So the trigger for both internal big feeling cycles and big external intense big feeling cycles, the trigger is the same. They happen when your child doesn't know how to express their feelings in ways that work best. So they're doing these things in order to feel better or to express their feelings, but these strategies are not fantastic for us, right? Or for our society. So our kid is either expressing themselves through their behavior or they're trying to cope with the discomfort of whatever's happening for them. Even such a small example, like, can I have the blue cup? And then you to your toddler or your preschooler and you say, oh, the blue cup is in the dishwasher. Well, that's a circumstance. They can't get the thing that they want. And then they have a bunch of big feelings. So big feeling cycles, like when do they happen? Where do they come from? So we said they come from our thoughts and feelings about circumstances. So what are some of these circumstances? One big one is you saying no, okay? Either you tell your child no because they, you know, like, come on, can I have a cookie before dinner? And you know, for your family, that doesn't work. And you tell your child no, or you say a limit, like you're welcome to have a cookie as long as you eat your dinner, or I'm happy to serve cookies after dinner, you know, any sort of limit. Or you can just say it firmly like, no, we're not having cookies right now. And that might trigger a big feeling cycle. Your child might have really intense feelings because they feel disappointed, sad, hurt, frustrated, or whatever the emotion is, and they don't know what to do. Boom, you're in a big feeling cycle. This can also happen when you give a consequence. So for example, you have a limit in your family that's like you can use Minecraft or you can use video games as long as you don't sneak screens. And then your child sneaks screens. And then the next day you say, hey, you snuck screens yesterday, no Minecraft today. Boom, you're triggering a big feeling cycle, okay? So these are sort of like when things don't go their way or they don't get something that they wanted. It's not that they're a bad person. It's not that they're ungrateful. We don't need to make them wrong for having a desire or having a feeling. We just need to notice that that is what is triggering the big feeling cycle. Other circumstances can be just having a hard day at school. You know, it's hard for kids to go to school and listen all day and be good and pay attention and follow the rules and, you know, have friends and they have to like share. And there's so many things, even teenagers, you know, they have a lot going on. And so they might be kind of like a big ball of emotion and then they come home and they get to express all of that emotion. And then you're in a big feeling cycle with them. Other times it could just be that circumstances change. You tell your child, Hey, we're all going to go bowling on Friday with our friends. It's going to be so fun. And then your friends call and they're like, we're sick or my husband has to work or I have to work today, whatever it is. And you have to tell your child, Oh, we're not going bowling. Boom big feeling cycle. Okay. So these things happen for whatever reason. Sometimes you don't even know what the reason is. You're just like, whoa, these are big feelings. This is big behavior. 
remembering that big feeling cycles are triggered by your kids' thoughts and feelings. So when your child has this emotional response to their circumstance and it's really intense, it can feel really intense to you. But imagine if you're experiencing it from them as intense, like imagine what it's like inside of them, (laughs) right? If their behavior is real big, that's a clue to you like, whoa, this is really intense for them. Now, the intensity of these big feeling cycles can be really hard to be around, right? Of course. So what they do is they activate your stress response. I want you to think about some of the behaviors that kids use when they are in a big feeling cycle. Like we've already said, screaming, crying, blaming you, being aggressive, complaining, peppering you with questions, arguing, breaking things. These behaviors in any other life situation would mean that you were under attack. Your brain would be like, "Uh uh-oh, something is definitely wrong. And you might become reactive and you might feel that need to protect yourself, like get bigger, get louder, get fight back, run away. So meltdowns, temper tantrums, like what I'm calling big feeling cycles, they activate your stress response because they're intense. Now, they also can activate you and be hard for you because your kids' feelings might be making you feel uncomfortable. When your child is upset and they have a lot of emotion, it can bring up feelings in you. Their sadness might make you sad or their anger, the way they're expressing it might make you angry. So if you're uncomfortable with feelings in general, especially the way that your child is processing their feelings, if it's making you feel scared or angry, you're going to try to stop it. So this is what happens to parents is our kids have these big feeling cycles and our stress response takes over and it is like, oh no, we got to cut this out. I call that fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. It's like you're overwhelmed, you're angry or you're worried about how your kid is acting and you want to make it go away. So let me break down what I mean by fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. Because I say it a lot and it's really helpful because you're able to go, oh, look, I'm doing it. I'm doing the fix it, change it, stop it, solve it thing. But let me take you through a few scenarios of what that looks like. Imagine that your kid is upset because you've said no to having a lollipop. And then you don't want them to be upset. You don't want them. You're making it mean that they don't like you or, oh, they're so sad and you don't want them to feel sad. And so you give in to the lollipop. That's fix it mode. You say, okay, you can have it today, but tomorrow I'm not going to give you one. And then tomorrow comes and you repeat the same thing because you're still uncomfortable with their sadness and you do it again. So you're like in this fix it mode, change it, fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. Right. So change it is where you're like, wait, this kid shouldn't be this mad. They're the ones who did something wrong. This is not okay. Like how they're acting is not okay. It's almost like you're thinking they're not entitled to feel the way they're feeling. So when you don't think that your child's emotions are justified, you're going to have a really hard time allowing those feelings to be expressed. So you're going to want to like change the way that they're handling it. You almost want to change their feeling, like deny their right to feel that way. Stop it, right? Fix it, change it, stop it. What stop it look like? Sometimes this looks like straight up shutdown. What we tend to do sometimes when their kid's behavior is really big and intense and it's overwhelming to us, we make our behavior bigger and more intense and more scary or more sad than the other person. So your big reaction to their big feelings, it's meant to get your kid to cut it out, right? You're like, oh no, I'm going to shut this down. The trouble is when you shut down your kid's feelings, 
then your kid doesn't learn what to do with their emotions. And then they keep showing up again and again. Now, we'll get fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. So what's solve it? I think of this as looking like logic, like trying to logic the person out of their feeling. Your brain is basically saying, okay, if this sad or angry person had more facts, then they wouldn't be so upset, <laughs> right? So no, logic and facts don't solve feelings. Never. The feelings are already there and logicking them out is like trying to mindset your kid or mind control your kid into feeling differently. That's not how feelings work. Once the feeling is there, we have to feel it and then we can shift. So when you're trying to do this logic thing, then you find yourself in what I call the monologue, right? You're using logic and rational thinking to get your kid to stop feeling and start thinking. But what you're really doing is you're trying to shut down that emotion. So unfortunately, like logic and lectures and stopping it and changing it and fixing it when your kid is in their big feeling cycle, it doesn't really work. It might work in the short term, but it actually doesn't really help long-term decrease the intensity or the frequency or the duration of these big feeling cycles. Because what your kid needs is tools and skills to process their emotion. So when we're in fix it, change it, stop it, solve it, we're like not really teaching them how to solve their problems. So then the next time they have those feelings, the next time those feelings come up, you're all back to square one. They still don't know what to do with their feelings. They still don't know how to communicate or cope with those emotions. And then they have their big feeling cycle again. So what do you do? This is a practical podcast. I want to help you really get strategies to help you manage these kinds of things. So the way that we want to manage a big feeling cycle is by drawing attention to the emotion that might be triggering that behavior. Remember, this is like a feelings first model instead of a behavior first model. So we're going to focus on the feelings first and then look at the behavior or the strategy that your child is using to cope with their feelings. First though, I want to help you just begin to view the big feeling cycle as emotions coming out through the body, through the mouth. So when your kid is in their big feeling cycle, the most important thing you can do first is pause. You want to pause, calm yourself, check in, make sure you're not activated. You're not in your stress response. If you are, then you're going to go reset your body, reset your feelings, your own feelings, reset your mind. So you're pausing and you're not really helping your child. Now, sometimes you don't really have time. Your kid's in a big feeling cycle and they really do need some support. So if you can kind of push aside your own thoughts and feelings for a minute or, you know, while they're in their big feeling cycle, pausing and then connecting. So looking at your child and their behavior and reminding yourself, oh, this behavior, this is just a big bunch of feelings. <laughs> I like to sometimes say to myself, oh, that's pain talking or, oh, that's feelings talking because it helps me not take their behavior personally. It gets me out of my reactivity, gets me out of my stress response and allows me to just kind of get into that curious on my way to compassion. Now, when you teach your child how to manage their emotions in ways that work better, then they don't have to use these intense behaviors as a strategy. But first, you have to name the emotion. We want to like help our kids see that these are feelings too. 
And that's one of the main strategies that I teach is the connection tool. And it's narrating what's happening. You're crying really hard. I wonder if you're sad. So we narrate what's happening. We narrate what we can see. And then we name the emotion. We make a guess. One of the things that happens to parents, though, is that when you're in a big feeling cycle, it will feel like it's going to last forever. Like your child is going to be like never, ever stop crying or, you know, you have one and then you have another one, you have another one, especially if you have little kids and it can just feel like it's constant or never ending. So next time that you're in a big feeling cycle, I want you to tell yourself, oh, my kid is in a big feeling cycle. This will end. Okay. And then asking yourself, I wonder what will happen or what they need to shift this for them. So we're looking at their behavior. We're pausing. We're looking at it. We're like, what's the feeling here? Reminding ourselves this is temporary. This is going to end. And then getting a little bit curious about what does my child need in this moment? What can I do to help them? Now, this curiosity that you are getting to where you're curious about the feeling and you're curious about the strategy your child might need to cope with their big feelings differently, this curiosity will help you feel less stressed because you're actually proactively doing something. You're parenting, you're helping. So in this moment, your job is actually not to fix anything. Nothing has gone wrong. These feelings are feelings. Your job in this moment is to be a compassionate witness. And that means by just mirroring back the emotion that you can see. You're sad, yeah, yes. Oh, you seem really upset. That makes sense. Now, a lot of times when parents do narrate it aloud, the kid gets really mad. Like, yeah, of course I am or whatever. So really, I want you to practice just doing that internally, like kind of just watching and waiting and paying attention and noticing. This is being compassionate, being a witness of what your child is going through. Now, (laughs) if you're going to get hooked in and you're going to start arguing and yelling, then you're not really helping. So you don't need to actually ride every big feeling cycle that your kid has. You don't have to ride every single one with them. It's okay if they self-soothe a little bit, if they move through their big feelings kind of on their own, or you sort of step out of it. What we're working on here for you as the parent is to not be so reactive, not go into that fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. And really being able to kind of be more neutral about the big feeling cycle itself. I don't want you to always be in neutrality. We're like, oh, look at this. Kids got big feelings. Huh? Oh, well. Yeah, you can do that sometimes, but I want you to move through neutrality towards curiosity and towards compassion. So that's fine. Like pause, reset, then connect. The next part is limit set always, right? When the behavior is really out of bounds, like your kid's physically hurting someone or they're actually about to take the remote and throw it at the television or something, like really your brain is going to tell you that this is an emergency and that you should stop it. But I want you to be a little bit more observant and just say, okay, like, is my child actually hurting someone or are they about to, you know, if they have like a bat in their hand or whatever, and you're like, oh, no, no, right? You know, um, or they're really getting extreme in their name calling and their criticism of other people, like saying to you, I hate you, you're the worst, or using their name calling strategy to cope with their feelings you can set a limit around how your children talk to you. 
I like to say your feelings make sense and I want to listen to you and I will be happy to help you and listen to you as long as you talk without name calling. Or another one was if it's too loud for you. This is really loud. I want to help you and I will if you can be a little quieter. Now, parents, I really want you to be onto yourself here because I want you to allow some of the strategy. Don't be so quick to shut it down by saying, oh, she just said I'm the worst, so I'm going to shut that down. I'm going to put a limit on it. You aren't that fragile. You're really strong. These are just, they're things, of course, we want to help our kids not do. But if you push too many limits right in the middle of the big feeling cycle, your kid isn't going to be able to move through it. You're either going to end up shutting down those feelings and then they don't know how to cope with them or that you're going to escalate it and they're going to get more intense. (laughs) That's not what you want. So I want you to set limits. I want you to feel like you have power, agency, and you you don't have to let someone just say a ton of mean things to you. No way. But I want you to notice if it's extreme and then put a limit on it. Allow for a little bit of protest. I hate you. Huh? You must be really mad if you want to say, I hate you to mommy, right? Being like, you know, you're the worst. Ooh, are you just really, really unliking my rules right now? And kind of reframing it for them. And then you can set a limit. Listen, I'm happy to help you. I'm happy to talk to you. I'm happy to sit here with you as long as you don't say those things. You can put a limit. You can also put in a limit in terms of safety. So I call this the hard no. And this is when you have a situation where one kid is hurting someone else or themselves. I want you to get involved right away and do this hard no. It's a very direct limit. It's a firm communication that their feeling is okay, but the strategy isn't. It sounds like this. Everyone stays safe in this house. It's okay to have big feelings. It's not okay to hurt yourself or others. So you really want to like use that firm voice, stand up and move in closer to the child. Or if they're hurting you, stand up, step back and say, everyone stays safe in this house, including mommy or including me, if they're older, it's okay to have big feelings. I also say, your feelings make sense. It's not okay to hurt me. It's not okay to hurt your brother. It's not okay to hurt your sister. It's not okay to hurt yourself. So putting in that firm, hard no. So remember, you can only offer these firm limits and these compassion and the connection when you're calm. Your child is yelling because they are in their big feeling cycle or your child is having a big body movement you know, they're crying on the ground or crying in their bed or they've covered their head with a towel or a blanket. Whatever they're doing, be there if you are able to be compassionate and connected or step out. They're going to move through their big feeling cycle with or without your help. The great news, like I said, is that big feeling cycles end. And I've noticed that moms and dads rarely remember how a situation ended. That's because when your brain is caught up in the stress of the moment, and it's so busy coping, it's not really forming any new memories. It's really stuck in like that fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. So the less emotionally involved you are in a big feeling cycle, the calmer you'll feel and the more clarity you'll have about what triggered this, what emotion drove it, what was the strategy that my kid was doing, what's a better strategy that will help them next time. Because how these big feeling cycles end is really important because Whatever happened just before the cycle ended is a clue to you that that's the thing your child needs in order to move through these big feeling cycles. 
So maybe they accept a hug or maybe their mindset shifts and they're like, oh, but at least, you know, and they kind of out logic themselves or they go outside or they go get some water or they wash their hands or whatever it is that happens or like the doorbell rings, whatever, then you'll be like, oh, that's how it ended. So that's a good thing for you to start looking for that clue. Now, the cool part about big feeling cycles is once they end, your child has used that big feeling cycle to release all of their stress juice. They've moved through all of their feelings and they've reset. So their brain is actually calm and that it's able to accept your limit and be ready to find something else to do. So you want to kind of be waiting for that little moment when the big feeling cycle ends, and then you can kind of set that limit of the next thing that you're doing. Like, okay, are you finished? Okay. Okay. Are you ready to put your pajamas on? Good. Are you done? You feel better? Okay, great. Here's your apple. Now it's time for snack or it's time to get in the car to go or whatever is happening. I also just want to remind you that correction, if your kid's behavior caused a problem, you want to deal with that problem after they're through with their big feeling cycle, not in the middle. You don't want to start like threatening consequences in the middle because it's actually not effective and it can keep them stuck in that emotional cycle longer. It just doesn't work to talk about consequences in the middle of big feelings. So delaying that consequence is really important. Now, the bad news (laughs) is that you can't eliminate big feeling cycles completely. We are human. Your kids are human. They have big feelings. You have big feelings. Everyone has big feelings. It's all normal. So the more willing you are to ride that wave of big feelings with your kid, the easier those feelings become for you and your kid. This is one of the reasons I say be comfortable with your child's discomfort because life is full of discomfort and kids and teens, they don't always know how to be in that discomfort. That's why they have big feeling cycles. But the more you are able to be okay with your kid's big feelings, the better your kid will be at being okay with their big feelings. So you get more comfortable with their discomfort, they will get more comfortable with their discomfort. All right, so this week, here's your work. I want you to start with just noticing when your child is in a big feeling cycle. Just naming it for yourself will have a huge impact on how you handle it. Making a neutral observation of, huh, I think this is a big feeling cycle. Yeah, this is one of those things. They're doing it right now that Darlin talked about. Yeah. So I want you to noticing them and naming them. And this is going to help you become less reactive, become calm. Then I want you to ride that wave of emotion, sort of self-coaching you through it, like reminding yourself, this is going to pass. This is temporary. Everyone's going to be okay. In the middle of the big feeling cycle, keeping everyone safe always and being as present as you can with your kid's emotion. All right, mamas and dads, you will get better at big feeling cycles, I promise. And I will see you next week. Hey, mama, if you've been listening to this podcast and thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so ready to get out of this chaos and create more peace in myself and in my family, then I want to invite you to join Calm Mama School. It's my lifetime membership program where you learn how to stop yelling and feeling overwhelmed by parenting, teach your kids how to manage all of their big feelings, and set limits that actually work. It's lifetime access for getting everything you need to have the family you want 
and become the mom that you're meant to be. No matter how old your kids are or how chaotic your family is right now, I can help you create peace and joy in your home. To join, go to calmmamacoaching.com and get instant access to my online course and start coming to weekly coaching calls this week. I can't wait to help you transform your family. See you there.